Are you guys excited to be here? Some of you look excited. Some of you look like, all right, come on. I can't, I can't see the rest of you. But um, Christmas, fill in the blank, uh, or finish this sentence for me. Uh, Christmas is fun. fun. Thank you, Quint. Is this thing on? Like, Christmas is love. Jesus. Christmas is love. Christmas is celebration. a celebration. Christmas is, keep going. Exhausting. Giving. What's that? Family. Okay, how many of you are thinking in your head, like, okay, like, these are all, like, polished, pretty, awesome answers. Awesome, but, but polished, right? Like, for the rest of us, Christmas is... Exhausting. Crazy exhausting. <laughs> That's right. How many of you would be in that boat, like, all right, Christmas, I'm already exhausted. It's not even, like, close to Christmas yet. Um, Christmas is chaotic. Christmas is crazy. Um, Christmas is, there's just a lot happening. And I, I mean, this is a lot happening this week in my life, but I'm sure you're no different. Like, you have so many things playing on in your life that, like, it's just crazy. How many of you have, like, crazy kids right now? Like, you're, like, days away, and they're like, is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas? Like, they're, they're banking on, like, to, like, let's do presents now. Like, they're crazy, right? So for you, Christmas is just a little chaotic right now. But for some of us, Christmas is lonely. And that's how it feels. Like, you can hear a pin drop in your own heart. Sometimes Christmas is difficult for us because of uh, what we've been through or what we're currently experiencing. Um, so we're not alone. Like, and this is the beautiful thing of friendship and church and life is because we all get there. We all get to these points in our life where we feel like we're alone. And maybe not alone, like, oh, I'm so lonely, but just from that angle of, like, does anybody else struggle with what I struggle with? Is anybody else in the same boat, and in, in the understanding that, that, that like, I've not, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I've not made it. I've failed again and again and again. Like, we are not alone in the fact that this, for 25 days, we're celebrating the Advent Jesse Tree, as Quint so eloquently and clearly explained. And, and I won't take the time to go through these. Aren't these beautiful, by the way? Um, Ellen, I'm not going to point where Ellen is, because she'll probably turn red. But Ellen and, and her mother even helped her this week. Um, have done has done a great job of painting these and spending a lot of time. This is legit, like real wood. This this is not like printed off a computer. This is beautiful, right? It gives such a great picture of the symbols that ultimately point to the ultimate symbol, which is where we're going to be. But at week one, one of the things that we got to was whether it was Adam to Eve to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And on down even to Jesse and his son David and the lineage from there to there to there. There is this, this overarching, this deep feeling of loneliness. Not like, oh, I need a companion because we all need that. We all need those friends. We need those relationships in our life. But there is this, this greater cosmic loneliness that God is there and we are here. That God is so perfect and so holy, and we are so not. Um, there's this, this gap and a reminder that each one of these promises, whether it's like the, the promise of a new kingdom or a family or a new world that was to come, or, or even just the promise of, of that there wouldn't be a flood again, or the promise through a lamb, 
or a coat or even a ladder. The promise was to us, that remind us reminds us that we're not alone. That we're not alone. Today's theme, tonight's theme, is that He is here. And if you hear nothing else tonight, would you hear that? That Jesus has come and He is here. And the second part of that is that He is here for you. He's come to remind you and remind me that we're not alone. Now this Jesus, man, he came humbly, which we're going to get to. He came um, with a posture of, I'm here to serve, I'm here to love, um, to show us what true friendship is. I mean, he came to heal. He came to help. But we, and he came, God with skin came with such a humble posture. But I feel like before we go any further, and we go any deeper, um, there's this reminder that, that he is king. That like before, it's not like he came as a baby and then he eventually rose and that someday he will be the king of kings. No, 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 no. What's back up since the beginning of time, since the beginning of the creation, since the beginning of everything, that Jesus was king. That, that he did serve, that he did posture himself with such a humble, uh, with such a humble position. But at the same time, we start from victory. And this is important to you and I. And as we sing this song, I want, like, before we go any deeper, we have to start from the fact that we win. We have to start from the fact that our hope does not lie in that this might work out someday because of Jesus. This comes from the hope that we win. We already won. He's already won. He's already king. He's already reigning and that we get to join with him. And so when he came, the king came for us. So this song that we sing, that we're getting to sing at this very moment, as you stand in this moment, would you stand? I want you to listen to the lyrics as we sing this together. It says, in the bleak midwinter, all creation groans. For a world in darkness, frozen like a stone. Light is breaking. Light is breaking in a stable for a throne. So would you sing this from the angle that we first were starting at? We come from victory. And he is our king. And he shall reign forevermore. Proclaim that you our King, and you will reign forevermore. God, we, we sing that. We celebrate that. But God, I know too that in this room that it, it, sometimes it, um, it's intimidating to know that you're a King. It's eye-opening because of the way we've lived or the way that we've seen things or done things. So God, I'd ask that right now that your word would speak and that you would Again, settle our hearts and that you are present here. You've come to help. You've come to save us. You've come to be that rescue. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may have a seat. I'd like you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. Um, if you need a Bible, we've got plenty in the back. If you just stick your hand up, we'd love to get you a Bible. I'll just put it, keep, keep that hand right up. Um, Luke chapter 2, um, shockingly enough, uh, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight. And I want you to see, starting in verse 1, 
it says, in, the, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. So let's pause there for a second. Like every single one of these from the promise of Abraham that he'll have more, that he'll have all these descendants and all these family members and the lineage on down to where we were at last week with Jesse and that out of the line of David, um, the Messiah would come. And so here we are, generation after generation, as if you're really that much into it, you can go back to the beginning of Matthew and see, but just let me recap for you that Abraham back here, that these symbols in, in, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish history, and as the pathway that ultimately led to the Messiah. Listen, Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob had a son named Judah, and Judah to Perez, and Perez to Hezron, and Hezron to Ram, and Ram to Abinadab, and Abinadab to Nashon, to Salmon, to Obed, to Jesse, who had a son named David, who killed Goliath, I might note, who had a son named Solomon, who had a son named Rehoboam, who had a son named Abijah, who had a son named Asaph, who had a son named Jehoshaphat, who had a son named Joram, who had a son named Uzziah, who had a son named Ahaz, who had a son named Hezekiah, who had a son named Manasseh, who had a son named Amos, who had a son named Josiah, who had a son named Jeconiah, wow, uh, who had a son named Shealtiel, who had a son named Zerubbabel, who had a son named Abiab, Bayad, who had a son named Eliakim, who had a son named Azor, who had a son named Zadok, who had a son, a son named Achim, who had a son named Iliad, who had a son named Eleazar, who had a son named Nathan, who had a son named Jacob, who had a son named Joseph, who was married eventually to a woman named Mary, who had bring forth a son conceived from the Holy Spirit named Jesus. So when Joseph was told a decree, a law, a moment, a command to go back to the place that they were born, go back to the place that you're from, as him and his wife about ready to pop, heads back to Bethlehem is the setting of the story. And you know the story. And as we get closer, as they get closer, excuse me, where verse 2, this was the first register since Quirinus was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So this journey ensued. And Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David. The city of David. The city of David. This is a big deal that he's going back to the city of which his lineage, his father and father and father and father was from. That it's God had established this pipeline of how the rescuer to rescue the world would come through this lineage, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Now, there's so much significance in the house. I want you to hear that. He's from not just the lineage, he's from the house, the way of life of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his engaged, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And this is where you could start probably quoting uh, the rest of this in your own mind. And, and she had her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger. You know the next part. 
because there was no room for them in the inn. In. I in in. So I discovered something the last couple weeks in studying for this, and it blew my mind. And I, I, I after talking to the first, there are people in the, that were here at the three o'clock. It surprised them as well. Um, this is actually a bad translation. Let, let, me, let me rewind. Let me take you to American culture for a moment. One of my uh, low points in life uh, was I was four years old, and um, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek because my parents are here, so i got to be real careful how I tell this story. Um, <laughs> I was four years old, and I was, I was cast to be a major part in the Christmas play. I was the sheep. <laughs> come on. Come on. Yes, and I don't remember much, uh, but I remember, like, getting to crawl. I'll, I won't do it now. I'll save you. Uh, but I got to crawl all over the stage. And I remember another part uh, that was played um, in the, the whole thing that was happening. And it was happening, I think, behind, like, sheets so that you could see the silhouette. And one of the people that was playing this part was the innkeeper. And you know how the story goes. You've seen this a thousand times. Mary and Joseph, like, jumping off the donkey after they've traveled 70 miles. to, ha And then, like, the baby is, like, on its way, and there's this chaos that's about to ensue, and they knock on the, the, the innkeeper's door, the hotel, right? And they're like, hey, hey, we're having a baby, we're having a baby. And the innkeeper so coldly holds his lantern up, and he says, sorry, there's no room here in the hotel, but there's room out in, in the barn. And, and you know how this goes, but, but you know what? That's actually, it never says that in the Bible. Did you know there's no account of some hotel manager saying that there's no room? You can fact check me on that. Um, please do. I'd encourage you to. When it, this, okay. The Bible was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, in Greek in the New Testament. And that'll be significant to where we're going to go in the next little bit. But for this moment, right now, in the New, this is the New Testament. So the word for in is katalume. Kataluma. I did that in the first service, didn't I? I said something totally different. Catalupa, Chalupa, something like that. Now i got to make sure I'm right. Cataluma, thank you, Bryce. Yes, Cataluma, okay? Because there was no room. I'm real, okay? Just don't judge me. Like, yeah. Cataluma is the word. There was no place for them in the Cataluma. Now, this word is you no know, argument. Anybody would argue it's translated to guest room. There's no room for them in the guest room. Now, this word Cataluma is used one more time, actually, in, in the Bible. In fact, it's used by Jesus. Jesus refers to this word, and he uses this word Cataluma, um, and Luke records it um, later on in chapter 10, verses 11, and it talks about, he's telling his disciples that this is the night before he is going to be crucified. And he says to his disciples, he says, I want you to go into the town and I want you to look for the man that's carrying the jug of water. And I want you to tell him to show you where the Cataluma is. And there he will bring you to the upper room to prepare for Passover, to prepare for the Last Supper, to prepare for the Lord's Supper. And so that was the other time that Jesus used this word. And so nobody argues that it, the better translation there is that it's guest room. 
Now, if it's guest room, let's like go to first century like Bethlehem. Because again, why did I say all that about like why, why uh, um, Joseph was going back to the city of David, Bethlehem? Why was he doing that? Because they were ordered, a decree was sent out that they were to go back and to go where they're from, and they were basically to report for a census. Like they couldn't like text in their address or mail in their address. They said, go back to the place. And so as he went with his wife, who's about to have our king, the baby, Jesus, um, they got to the house. And it says that there was no room for them in the Cataluma. There was no room for them in the inn. Like, there's no hotel in this moment. And it's believed that in first century, even now, in, in countries like uh, Germany and Austria, that th this is how, like, especially if their house was built, uh, is built on a hill and in the region of Bethlehem, very hilly. And in that moment, like, if, you, if your house is on a hill, like, from the front of your house, it doesn't look like there's a basement. But from the back side of your house, there's a basement, right? And the way that it's built, and sometimes even though it's considered a ranch home, there's still that basement around the back side. And it was essentially the same we're imagining with this. That the upper room was the upstairs. There's the main level, there's the lower level, and then there was the upstairs, the Cataluma. And that when they arrived, when Joseph and Mary got to Joseph's mom and dad's house, when he reported back to his own home. There was no room. Now there's two schools of thoughts here. Like, okay, so maybe they, maybe they arrived late. Like, like they were, they, like, I mean, seriously. Um, I gotta be real careful here. Um, my wife's having a child tomorrow. Um, if, well, a few people have said that you're going to have it tonight, but the plan is to go in tomorrow morning to have a, our fifth child, um, and she's ready. You could talk to her. She's, like, ready. And our house is ready. I mean, it's, it's yes. And so what has happened is there's this, like, chaos, this like, beautiful chaos that has ensued in our home as we prepare that, that for this, this beautiful entry to this beautiful daughter of ours. We're excited. And it was the same anticipation for them, although when they arrived at the home, did they get there because they had a lot to gather and to get back to Bethlehem, and they were, they were the last ones to arrive and that there was seemingly no room for them? Or perhaps mom and dad, cousins, uncles, did not approve of the fact that Mary has arrived ready to have a baby and they're not married. Was there this moment of, <laughs> for the mother of Jesus, when all of a sudden, like, did they didn't fit in what was happening in the perfect family dynamic? And I'll get to that more in a moment, but I want you to hear me that, that no matter what they felt, go back to Mary and Joseph, no matter what they felt, and they showed up, and the Cataluma, there was no room for for, for, for them there. And then suddenly the baby comes. You can prepare all you want. We can prepare all we want. But when God shows up, we got to be ready. And when God comes, when, it, when we say this statement, the theme of our night is that He is here. Ready or not. He is here. And when He shows up, everything changes. Everything. 
And so all of a sudden, Mary had to realize, like, regardless of what family, regardless of what, like, I'm having Joseph, I'm having this baby, and Joseph is like, huh, we're having a baby? Like, it's this crazy moment. And I want you to listen to the words that Alyssa is going to sing, just as she sings over you this song about that you, God, you are here. In excitement ensues, like, like, we tried to get ready, but as ready as we were, it still appeared that we were not ready. But He, He is here. Listen, listen to these words. I love uh, Jewish culture. Um, I love Jewish history. Uh, anybody else like love history? Three of us. Awesome. Thing on. All right. So the rest of you can go home. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love history and I love culture and I love um, <laughs> the patterns of these symbols. And that ultimately, that, that of all 24 of these symbols, that it ultimately leads to the 25th symbol. But one thing I love more than history, one thing I love more than culture, is I love family. I love the, 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 like the meaning behind family, whether it's by blood or by name or by, by, by just adoption or just like, hey, you're my family now. You know, like whatever it is, there's something about family and the powerful. Where anybody have like family get-togethers, even like tonight or this week that you're like jazzed about? <laughs> that was awesome. You know what just happened? You're like, does anybody have any family gatherings? And your hands started to go up. And then I, when I said that you're jazzed about, all of your hands went, <laughs> that was awesome. Cool. Uh, hopefully your family's not here. Um, uh, they see that. Um, uh, my my in-laws are here. My parents are here. And um, we're really excited about what's happening. There's nothing better than family. Um, and, and even though th there's, there's difficulty in that, even your meetings this week or your long-lost whatever, um, family can be a difficult thing. Uh, when you show up with your new fiance who's pregnant, but yet you've claimed that you guys have never had had, had sex, that you've that you've never that you guys are pure and that, that like but yet she's pregnant, like the entire world is like, yeah, right. But she was conceived, she was impregnated by God. That this would be the son of God, God with skin. And they, they had to block out what family had to say, and they had to focus on what they were meant to do. Um, and when they showed up at home, they said there's no room in the Cataluma. There's no room up in the guest room. You will go down in the lower room, below the main level, where even it's believed in Bethlehem as any time, what would happen is if they didn't have a lot of money, they didn't have a lot of barns, but they had animals, that they would bring the animals in at night in the lower level um, for fear of being, them being out in the cold or fear of them being stolen. And so it makes perfect sense why when they showed up and there's no room upstairs in the guest room, there's no room in the upper room, but yet there's, we got, I guess you can stay down below. Whether metaphorically or physically, as the animals come in for the night, that there's this moment, 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 the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords 
is born and laid in a manger, a feeding trough for all the animals. There's significance in this because this is not this is like this is not like a wah, 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 wah moment in history. God uses this this like humble, are you kidding me? Moment. Um I I this this like moment where uh, someone was telling me about um, uh, if you've ever heard of a guy named Jimmy Fallon uh, he was talking about uh, Thanksgiving fails and he says that uh, uh, these uh, Thanksgiving tweet fails that he, and one of them was uh, someone wrote in and he read it on the, his show and he said that uh, um, one time when he was a child uh, his mom went to get the turkey out of the oven and dropped the turkey on the floor and doesn't move and looks at, at him and looks him in the eye and says, tell no one. <laughs> it's like this like moment that Thanksgiving is ruined. <laughs> like this, in those moments, imagine how they felt, feeling that it ultimately was ruined, but yet God using the very humble nature of a manger, a feeding trough, to communicate to us that he's coming to be with us. Emmanuel is God with us. No red carpet rolled out to the biggest palace, but a manger in the basement of Joseph's home. That the history of all this and the culture that played into it, which ultimately led to the family that put him in a manger. This is communicating loud and clear to you and I. He's with us. How many of you remember the kitty table at uh, family gatherings? You can hold that hand up loud and proud. Kitty tables was, was like, it was like the way of your family saying, yeah, sit over there. You know, whether you were a child or not, kitty table was like, all right, yeah, you just, adults are going to talk, and you guys just get over there. The kid, even if you're a kid or not, I'm the youngest of all the cousins on both sides. And so, like, I feel like my life is a never-ending kitty table. Now I've got all these kids at my table. I'm like, I'm now at the kitty table once again. I'm always at the kitty table, whether they're my kids or I'm the kid. Are you with me? Um, have you ever felt like you don't belong in your family? Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? Forget your family for a moment. Your people, your workplace, your friends, your school. Um, every other 18-year-old or however old you are. You ever felt like you don't, you just don't make the cut? This is God's way of saying to you, I know how you feel. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet, as a baby, being humbled in a manger, in the basement, with all the animals, so you're here tonight. Maybe, maybe you're here for the first time. Um, maybe you're here for the hundredth time. I just want to encourage you. I want to invite you into the greatest truth and the greatest hope that you will ever hear is that Jesus, he is here and he is here for you. That this symbol of a manger is not just some, oh, we ran out of beds or that there was some hotel that didn't have enough room. This was communicating 
to through the family line of David and down to the family and to the very man of Joseph who was on earth, his earthly father. And even through that situation, even through what God would do, that Mary and Joseph had to focus on what their task was so that their child can be the literal conduit in this manger to communicate to the rest of the world that he knows what it's like to not be accepted. He didn't stop there. His entire life was rejected and rejected and rejected. Even to this day, the Jewish culture has not received this as the legit Savior of the world, that the, the rescuer that has come to save us, that, that was promised from the very beginning when Adam and Eve stiff-armed God and, and like because of sin and sinned and entered all the world and the promise was there that someday that God would send a way at that very moment, at their worst, he, sent, he said there's going to be a way that I'm going to send a redeemer that will ultimately crush the head of the enemy and that hope will come and freedom will come and we will be with God again. And it was reminded through the promise of Abraham and Isaac and all the symbols of Joseph and the coat of many colors and the law and every aspect of the law and even through Ruth and Boaz and David and Jesse and all these symbols were a reminder to you and me to remind us that like we are not alone and that he is here with us and that he's come to save those that are lost not those that have claimed that they've been found unless their claiming is under the banner of Jesus so let me talk to you if this is your first time you're here or um, or maybe it's a hundred times you're here and, and you you feel like that um, <laughs> you've come in this room and, and like you maybe you're we hear this all the time like maybe you're the kind of people like when we invite people like man man if I come to your church uh, the walls are just going to crumble right on me. Or like, I'm going to walk into church and it's going to catch on fire. Like, that there, maybe, you, like, just because you feel that way. You feel like, man, I do not belong there. Can I just tell you that if this is a family, you're welcome. And that we're so glad that you're here. Because we know what it's like to be where you're at. We know what it's like to feel like we don't belong and the church is a place where we get to gather and we get to celebrate what Jesus has done for us and given us new life and new hope through his perfect and errant word. And he's given us new life in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit that he sent to us to bring life change. And it's a reminder that we get to live this way to communicate to others that he has come, that he is here. Um, Cataluma is Greek. The New Testament is in Greek. The Old Testament is in Hebrew. And so there is this historical line through the Hebrew, through the Jews, through God's people, through Israel, that ultimately at this very moment communicated all are welcome. Do you see what happened? I mean, there were pictures of it through Ruth and Boaz. There's pictures of it. There's symbols of it. But this is not just like that the, the he has come to save God's people, to save the Jews. This was the moment where, you know what? They didn't even let Jesus in the family. They didn't even let him. If metaphorically, maybe that's why, again, that's my opinion. And maybe that's why he was in the basement. With all the animals, and not in the cataluma, not in the guest room, not in the place of honor. 
was it communicates to us is that we're not in the family of, or we're Jewish, but yet in that moment, God opens the doors for the world to be saved through him. And he knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows that it's like to be on the outside. And even in the moment of living his life, perfect life, and three years of ministry at 33, being on the cross, crucified, taking his last breath, he was rejected by his family once again. His father. He's never been away from his father. Until that moment. And this is why we can communicate loud and clear that he took your sin. God is holy. That he, had to, he had to separate on that cross. He had to be away from his father. It's like one of the last things he says. He says, my, my God, my father, Abba, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? And there again, he, he's at the end of his earthly life and he feels what it's like again to be separated from the Father. Be separated from the family line. Why? So that you can come in the family. So that you can be called a son or a daughter. They reunited three days later. He rose from the dead and eventually appeared to 500 witnesses and then ascended to heaven. And he is seated, sitting down, waiting at the right hand of the Father. And that the first advent came. It's his first coming. It came in a manger humble but listen his second advent is what we call it he's he's gonna come back the second advent is that jesus is coming back and he's not coming in a manger and he's not coming from a humble perspective he's coming with a sword and he's coming to be a warrior he's coming to rescue us all he's coming back for us um next week uh Cameron and I will be teaching on this. The second Advent is just a little plug. You're not going to want to miss that next week, December um, 27th. And, and this whole idea of a teaching of the second Advent. But it's this first, it's this in this moment where he um, experiences that separation as he did in that very moment as a baby and as family. He probably, I mean, imagine Jesus. It doesn't record a lot about his relationship with Joseph. Um, um, but what it does record, it gives the implication that his entire life, as he spoke to the Jews, gives this idea, like, what did he do? What did he speak about on behalf of his parents? As he honored his parents? I mean, think about this. We, we know, we, like, we read Luke 2, and we know that, like, and believe by faith that, that, G, that God um, gave Mary uh, Jesus. And that she remained pure. And like that they didn't have relations and that the child in the belly was not and the womb was not Joseph's. And so like this whole life, this whole moment of like trying to prove the fact that like they didn't do that. It was a big deal then. And I don't know, that's totally speculation as far as how the family treated them. But essentially it was their way of saying, Mary and Joseph, you're at the kitty table. You're not in the Cataluma. You're downstairs. And I don't know, maybe that's you. In that moment, you've been in that spot or you're in that spot. Like, you're not, because what you've done or what seemingly looks like what you've done, um, has you've been rejected by family or friends or maybe your own life, your own self. May you have the faith 
that Joseph had. May you have the faith that Mary had and believe and trust that God has a plan and that God can redeem and that the Holy Spirit's power, supernatural power in your life can carry you through. That he can give you the hope that you need, which is Jesus. I'm going to look at one more thing and then we'll be done. Uh, Look at Luke 2. We're at Luke 2 and verses, uh, uh, verses 10. And this is where the shepherds and the angel, or the angel spoke to the shepherds um, to proclaim to them to get to the manger. Get to the stable and down wherever it is. Not the Cataluma. Not, he's not there. He's down in the basement or he's down wherever the animals are at night. And he's in a manger because it says right here, it says good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is the angel speaking to the shepherds. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Peace. Peace among those whom he is pleased. Do you see this moment? Like, I I think it's beautiful because there are these shepherds minding their own business and the angels come and they say, Hey, head Go see the king. He's born. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They didn't stop. They were like, what? Why is he in a manger? Like, they didn't even ask. They just went. They just believed. They just trusted that what God had said was true. And all of a sudden, for them, it wasn't about, why would a king be in a manger? Like, they didn't ask questions. They didn't pick apart what was their dream or their euphoric, like, fuzzy feeling. Like, this is what it should be. They didn't. They just trusted. And for you, you're here tonight, and you're like, I don't know what my life is. In fact, I'm so confused because I dreamed, and I hoped it would be, like, X, Y, and Z. And here I am, and this is the way it is. Can you just believe the voice of God in your life that there is a hope? that he has redeemed you, and that by faith you can be forgiven of your sins, that you can have eternal life through Jesus, and that you would do like those shepherds do. Would you just go? Would you just go after Jesus? He didn't come like we expected. And there's this beautiful picture that in this moment, it's all of a sudden not, like the the. the, the the direction is turned. All of a sudden, it's not about Jesus, per se. It's the reflection of Jesus in us, to us. Because look, at every one of these points, almost every one of them at the centerpiece, Jesus is the symbol. If you notice, if you've been here the last few weeks, at week one we used the ladder. And it was Jacob's ladder. It was Jacob's dream about how Jacob was down here on the earth and that God, it was just this dream that God had given him, that God was up there and that there was this ladder between him and God. And he could see God up there, but he couldn't get there. But he kept seeing these angels come up and down. 
And as he woke up, he saw, or he like, he knew that like the whole idea of that was that there was going to be a way for me to get to God. It was a hope, it was a token, it was a symbol that like as he grabbed onto the ladder and he saw that like, okay, cool, you're gonna send G, you're gonna send the whole, you're gonna send the rescuer down the ladder, and God's like looking down, like essentially saying, No, 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 you're hanging on to him. That that Jesus is the ladder. He is the one that bridges us to God. And then every symbol, like the point of it, is that Jesus is that symbol. And then all of these culminating, and it takes the focus off of Jesus, and it does something unique here, because the final symbol, the final symbol is not Jesus. The manger is the final symbol, and, the, and it's you. You are the manger. All of a sudden, it talks very briefly, but very clearly, that Jesus was laid in a manger. And he resides and was placed in the manger. The manger is the world. The manger is you. You see, the invitation tonight, the, the, the heart of tonight, is that you would allow God with skin, Jesus. Would you, you would allow him to reside in you. That, it, that like at the end of the day, this is not something that you can't attain. He came and he's here for you. That you are the manger and it, this is built with wood. And that the first week when we did the ladder was built with wood. The second week when we did the stump, the big rotted out stump that had a small shoot, it had a small hope coming out of it, was wood. And at the very last week, the very last day, the very last culminating thought is that this manger is made of wood. That it's not even about you. It's not even about the manger. It's about how Jesus wants to reside inside of you. Now for, for Mary and Joseph, it, it was difficult because of all that was happening. Maybe all that was even happening upstairs. Just above them. In a different part of the house. How they were rejected from the family. Or how they were maybe not received well because of what had happened. But it's implying to us that there's hope in this. That in that broken moment or in that, that like kitty table moment. That that is where God wants to do something. Can I just challenge you with something? One last thing. Could it be, could it be that the very thing that seemingly has ruined you is the actual birthplace of something good? Could it be that the very thing that seemingly has wronged you is actually the birthplace for hope? Could it be that the very thing that has set you and cast you away and thought, no one will accept me if they know this. No one will accept If anybody knew, could it be that that very place is the birthplace for God to radically make you new? And I want to challenge you, and I want to like lean into the fact that I believe that it is. From Hebrew to the Greek, from the old to the new, to the, to, the, to the old covenant to the new covenant, to I don't fit in, to we all fit in because of Jesus. It's this reminder to you and I, not just, not just that we're not alone, 
but the very fact that he's come and he's rolled out the red carpet for us to be for him to reside in us no matter how humble it is no matter how pretty it is this was a simple function it was to feed the animals but it housed something amazing and can i invite you that your life may not look like anything amazing it may be stacked away essentially in the basement it may not be important in your mind but can i just invite you that Jesus, when he comes to reside in you, it changes everything. And all of a sudden, he uses your life as a conduit, as a symbol to proclaim hope, as a symbol to, to proclaim newness, as a symbol to proclaim that you are redeemed and forgiven and given another chance and another chance because it's not about the chances that you've missed out on. It's not about the ball that you dropped. It's not about the law that you missed. Even though you attempted to climb the ladder, what you realized halfway up is that you hadn't made any progress. And that what you realized when you're still halfway up, that it was actually Jesus that was the ladder. And that he was the one that gets us to God. And that he is the one that makes our life amazing. Could it be that the very same moment where you feel lost, in this very moment, so far from God, like I, can ne I could never, could it be this very night that you, by faith, would trust and the Savior who's come to save me. That you'd trust in the one who died for you, who took your sin, who took everything that you did wrong before a holy God, and he, said, he claimed it as his own. And he's now clothed you in the holiness of himself. He, he who knew no sin became sin, on our behalf so that we can know and we can have the righteousness of God. Friend, family, you're welcome. You're accepted by God. And by faith, he will declare you righteous. He is the king of heaven who's come to save us. The red carpet like just the, the idea of the red carpet that's rolled out for somebody important. All the all and all the sacrifice and all the brokenness was essentially the red carpet rolled out for the one that's to come. The law, the commandments, the old covenant was just a shoot. It was just a tunnel to bring the ultimate light that would come. Jesus. And those shepherds believed it. And the world was different because of it. Would you step in the moment and would you believe in Jesus, in Jesus alone, this gift that he's given us, the ultimate gift, which is Jesus. Hope is born in this moment. So as we close, there's just a, this, this invitation to you that, that this doesn't have to be anything um, uh, I want to say big because it is big, but you're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be in this moment of like, because this is between you and a holy God. Would you simply, if you've never made this decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that, even right now. I mean, even to say, God, I know you've come to save me. I know you've come. You've died for me. You've come to give me new life. I know I've fallen short. I know I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come reside in my life. To change everything. And as Jesus came 
And He died and He rose again and He ascended to heaven and He sent His Spirit. He sent that to reside in us. That we would be forever changed. That even tonight, if you'd make that decision, it could start now. And maybe for you tonight, like you've made that decision years ago, and maybe you just say, like, there's areas of my life. There is, like, I need a radical change in my life. That I need Him to come and reside. Can I just tell you that He is here and that He is here for you. He knows you by name. In fact, speaking of receiving you into the family, he, he says that, that you have the power through your faith and trust in Jesus. You have the power to become a child of God, a son or a daughter. He already knows you. He made you. And he wants you, even in this moment, if you've never done that, in this moment, to ask him to save you, to receive this gift. He's come. He's been placed in your life. Would you receive him? And even just like on a side note as we close, like um, we, we know that this is not a simple, like it's a simple thing, but we, we understand that it's not, like there's a lot of like understanding, this major decision that you can make. And, and I'll be up here if you need prayer, I'll be up here to encourage you in any way or after or whatever. But honestly, like we want to walk you through this. In fact, we're, we're, we're in the, the, the edge of something really fun here at Conduit. Um, right in the new year, in mid um in mid-January, we're going to be starting these classes. Um, three of them, actually. Um, we're starting with one class called Home. And home, the Home class is everything to do with the, the basics of, of, of our faith and the basics of what Christ has done. Um, and it has this, this, this eight-week class that walks us through, like, all these things. We're really, like, next week's going to be an opportunity where you can sign up for it when you can um, sign up online or in the back. We just want you to know that like, we want to help you through that understanding of all that God has done for us. Look for that in mid-January. And then um, another point is that, that in just a moment, kids are going to be here, and they're going to be coming down, and they're going to be receiving a gift, um, a gift to stay warm in the winter. And actually, they're going to be receiving two of them because we want them to gift it to someone else, um, what we're going to give them. Um, <laughs> This is, the, this is the echo of the gospel. Is that what we have received, we want to give out. That, that even like, this is how we're going to do it. Like, they'll come down and we'll give them each two gifts so that they can keep one and they can give one. But this is the heart of everything to do with Jesus is that he's come to reside in you so that you can now give Jesus to others. This whole idea of our life to become a conduit of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We come from victory. He's come and he's invited us to, the, to be a part of his family, to be a part of his culture, and to be ultimately in the big picture of God's history and what he's doing in our world. So I want to invite you, as we sing this last song, as we sing that he is the King of heaven, who's come to be with us, Emmanuel, celebrate with us, sing with us this last one. If you need prayer, I'll be up here. And then, like, right after that, it's going to get a little chaotic and a little informal. We're going to sing some, some Christmas carols and some songs, but there's going to be kids coming down and parents. We're going to we'll walk you through all that, but just know that, like, this is our heart. This isn't just, like, uh, an afterthought. This is our heart that we want to give what has been given to us so that they can give again to others. So just stand as we sing.